Well, a couple things. Um, uh, this is now a quiz in the summer. I know you educators, this is awkward for you, but I'm teaching all summer, so I'm used to getting quizzes. Did any of you perhaps notice a little theme in some of Val, most of Valerie's songs today? I bet Valerie noticed a theme. Any themes you might have noticed? This is a give and take. Anyone? Grace was a good one? Yes. So all in particular, the names of God. You notice anything there? All right. We have, we have some winners back here. That's right. Your prize will be in heaven, I'm sure. Um, uh, today, after last week was, what, what was last week? Pentecost, right? The Spirit comes down. And today the church celebrates Trinity Sunday. Now, the Trinity is awesome. Pastors never preach on it because it's too hard to talk about, right? Um, the Trinity is simply the Christian belief. And it is a unique Christian belief that we think, and this is now, if you can do first grade math, this is going to be hard for you. If you can't do first grade math, this will make perfect sense for you. We believe in a God who is one and three and then three and then one, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, and with this affirmation, uh, it is important to know that all God is for us. And the Father, who is the source of all things, and the Son, this is our technical language, nerd time, the Son is begotten from the Father, and of course the Spirit comes from the Father. And all that to say that the Trinity Sunday celebrates that all of God is at work in our lives today. It's not as if God's playing golf somewhere and now Jesus, and then the Spirit's turn, but the Father still hears our prayers. Jesus still advocates for us. And last week, even today, the Spirit is one who's an advocate, is our source and power and strength. This morning, I have to confess, I got up and I was feeling tired. Um, the thought of going to camp, which I love camp, but I am old and speaking 10 times this week. Then I get back and do a wedding this weekend. I'll come back. So, I'm feeling tired and old, because I am old, right? The good news is this. The Spirit is the source. Somebody like, I'll tell you old. Like, okay, I'll tell you. Uh, okay, you win, I guess. Uh, the key is really this. The Spirit is to be the source of our strength and power. Now, God wants to, you know, use us too, but especially in the areas of our life where we're needing God's help, God says, the Spirit that spirit poured out upon us to give us energy and strength to stay up late with Valerie doing games with kids until late in the night this week. Um, God will give us the energy and strength. So again, this week, um, we celebrate um, the Trinity. But also today is Father's Day. So in honor of that, I have a little, um, and we're a bunch, our family's a bunch of nerds in regard to movies. Not only a Star Wars theme, but also Trinity Sunday theme and Father's Day theme. Works out really well. So I'm not really your father, but you get the idea, right? Um, I'll go here. This is my, isn't this great shirt? Great, yeah. The, 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 my, my wife went to Disneyland a couple years ago, and she got us all Star Wars shirts for a Star Wars day. And I successfully, like, left my shirt in Nampa. So that was awkward. So I had to go to Walmart and buy something. Is this awkward? Sorry, this is a weird mic place. Let me go around here real quick. Um, sorry, Eric. Um, let me also say this again. Um, I, I recognize even this notion of God being Father... Um, sorry, this is t-shirts aren't meant for lapel mics. Um, that can be a great concept, but I also know this. Um, sometimes the notion of God as Father isn't always so awesome. Some of you have great father and father models in your life, and so the idea of seeing of God as Father is wonderful. Some of you, um, the idea of Father is not so great. So we recognize that even in those terms, 
of Father uh, can be challenging. But in Trinity Sunday, we celebrate that God loves us and is at work in our lives. Amen. And that spirit that we talked about in Pentecost last week is alive and active and moving towards us. You think about it, um, even in our praying, we pray in a kind of Trinitarian way. Now, this is not some rule, but in, in good theology, we would pray to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, the name of Jesus Christ, the name of Christ is the one for whom is, is our one in whom we are Christians. Through our baptism and conversion, we are made one in Christ. But even the Spirit is that power in our lives that helps to give us the strength to go forward. Well, our text this week is John 16. Um, this is kind of the fifth of John's teachings on the Holy Spirit. Now, this is one of the last lessons that Jesus is going to give the disciples. So imagine, if you will, if you had to give one, less la- one last lesson to those in your world, family, friends, anyone who would hear, what would you say? Um, maybe you'd say, uh, I would say this, when in doubt, go ahead and eat the ice cream. <laughs> Trust me, it's going to be worth it, right? Um, one of these life too, we might say, is that really, um, humidity is not of the Lord. Living in the West is a good thing, so come West. Are you from the Midwest before? Midwest people, right? Five of you? Um, I lived for 10 years in the Midwest, and I learned this about Midwest people. They're wonderful, because they're from there. Um, but they're there because no one has told them they're allowed to leave, right? <laughs> I mean... The humidity, and you, you, I, I had students who grew up in Missouri and been in the one, two states, and it's like the humidity is like awful. But you come out west where we are here in God's promised land. Now it's kind of ugly out here, we get it, but there's no humidity. I take ugly and no humidity anytime. Now, you've got a beach, Jenny, maybe a beach, I'd do a humidity. But if there's no beach, the humidity is not worth it. Life lessons to live by. See what, how practical church can be? So come west. I just had my freshman tell you this. I had a friend of mine who uh, grew up in the Midwest, and she's just starting teaching at NNU this fall. And she just moved to, she'd been in Illinois for 25 years. Like, oh, have mercy. Um, and she came out here, she goes, I went outside, and like, I wasn't sweating. And I said, welcome to salvation. This is heaven. <laughs> so, uh, that has nothing else. So, Jesus did the final lesson. I'm not sure all he included. They didn't record everything. He had other things to say, too. Um, one thing, too, I would say to us is, um, make sure our lives are about being with people and not about accumulating stuff. The stuff in our life can be fun to help with the people, but I know um, one of the dangers of my life is that I am task-oriented. I'm the get-her-done guy. And sometimes in my life, I can be so focused on getting things done, I miss out being present to those with me. What would be a great time? That, what, what life lessons? You can Facebook about it this week or young people Instagram, I guess. I just started Instagramming. Do you know this is a thing? Uh, Instagram is like where the young people go. Facebook is like 45 and older. And like Instagram is like young. Yeah, anyway, sorry. So this week, those of you who are old, uh, Facebook on what your last lesson would be in life. It would be exciting to hear that. Well, um, John, in John 17, we had that prayer two weeks ago of Christ praying to the Father. But then John 16 is his last lesson on the Spirit. And really, John 14 is a great kind of parallel to John 16. So if you get bored in the sermon and start reading John 14. Um, in John 14, um, we hear these words that Jesus is telling the disciples, he is going to go. 
Now, as I said in my first week here, one of the things that Mount Home, for better or worse, gets to be good at is transitions. Um, folks come and some go, um, and that's part of the, the beauty of Mountain Home. It isn't always fun. But there have been a three-year journey of these disciples, and Jesus is now winding down. Now, I can't help but think he was a little nervous about leaving the disciples at this time, but he's like, there's going to be things to be offered here. So in John 14, he essentially says, I'm going to go, um, but it's going to be okay. There's a great future in front of you. Um, but in John 16, um, he says this, I'm going to go, and it's going to be really hard. Um, but he says, you're not going to be alone. Um, the Holy Spirit will be with you. Um, so let's read this text together. Um, as you're able to stand, I'd invite you, this is again John 16, 12 through 15, um, in this section hearing about what the Spirit's going to do for us. Again, John 16, 12 through 15. And I'm reading from the Common English Bible. If yours is different than that, then that's why it's different. Jesus says this, I have much more to say to you, but you can't handle it now. However, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He won't speak on his own, but will say whatever he hears and will proclaim to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and proclaim it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. That's why I said the Spirit takes what is mine and will proclaim it to you. Soon you won't be able to see me, but soon after that you will see me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So in this, in this chapter, this is about Jesus kind of began to let envision what it means to let the kids go, right? Um, the, what it means for the birds to fly out of the nest. The disciples have been with him the whole time. They had a few moments of success and lots of moments of failure. But he's basically saying, I need to go so you can kind of grow up. Um, growing up is not fun, is it? Maybe it's fun. Um, this week, my son, and they call it now adulting, um, we got him a car uh, about a year and a half ago so he can drive around and then do errands for me when I need it. Um, most of it was out okay. But this week we went to a basketball game and we got to the game. We had a different um, car. We got to his, we, we pulled up and saw that his car had a flat tire. And so he said, oh yeah, I might have ran over something in Nampa. And we were in Boise. He said, okay, we'll not work on that. So then we got to then realize, how do you solve a flat tire? So we're teaching him how to change flat tires, and that's always fun. And then we recognize his tires were low, and maybe he needs to get new tires. And then we realize, oh, yeah, my car won't start, too, and there's a battery. And as you know, these things kind of begin to, and, and so he's like, boy, this is expensive. And I'm like, welcome to life. Right? <laughs> um, in some regard, John 16 is this chapter where Jesus is saying, I, I need to go. It's not all a bad thing. But those of you who've been parents know that can be a hard thing. Um, to let your kids go and have them experience the challenges and the fun uh, of life. Um, in the beginning of this chapter, John 16, um, he wants to tell them this, his whole chapter is premised this way. I want to tell you these things because it's going to be hard and I don't want you to fall away. One of the things important for us to remember, and I'm sure you all have figured this out by now, um, being a Christian does not mean everything goes how we'd like it to. Um, you know, and the reality is uh, God causes the sun to shine on the good and the not so good. 
Um, and many of you in this, in it, and sometimes I think if we're not careful, we kind of sell Christianity about go and be Christian, things will just everyone will turn out well for you. And we would say that being a Christian, there's no better life to be had, but it doesn't mean that everything goes how we would like. I remember um, we had a youth camp now many years ago, and I was a counselor, and, and it was a student who was really wrestling with becoming a Christian, and I had to say, you know, you might not want to become a Christian. In fact, the Bible says if you become a Christian, some things might get harder for you. There might be persecution. He came from a family that was going to be challenging. And I wasn't trying to talk him out of being a Christian, but I wanted to say being a Christian does not mean things are going to be just smooth sailing. And in fact, and we don't tell us much, but the Bible says, as we mentioned before, if you become a Christian, you might face more intense persecution. Now, in the 21st century, you know, in America, you know, um, we don't know perhaps what that looks like as much. But it is, it's important that we talk about Christianity. It doesn't mean life is always easier, but it does mean there's a life with hope, a life with God. And indeed, God will be with us and help us through those things that don't go our own way. So we think about this notion of Jesus telling them, when I leave, it, it will get hard. In fact, well, would you want to know your future? The old folks are like, nope. <laughs> if you were 20 and could have known the last 40 years, would you want to know it? I totally agree. I get up in the morning feeling tired. And if I would have like looked back upon the day, it would drove me crazy. All of that had been done. Um, oftentimes, we want to know the future. But I do think God never promises a clarity of what's going to happen, but says this. It's going to be hard, but you know what? The Holy Spirit is going to be with you, and he will help you, and you can make it. That's the promise. I think if you'd have known the last 40 years, those of you who aren't 40 yet, Valerie, don't worry. You don't want to know the future. Um, it would be overwhelming, wouldn't it? There would be a lot of great things you learned, but you'd be focusing on the bad things probably that were coming. But the good news, is, and Christ is honest with these disciples, and I mean, this is a spoiler alert. We think most of the disciples all were killed for their faith. When the New Testament is being written, the disciples are facing intense, intense persecution. Now, thanks be to God in the United States, now there are some places in the world today where there's persecution for their faith. The reality is, well, let me ask you this question too. Would it be better in America for Christianity to be illegal? So that, potentially, it, us being today, we could go outside and, and soldiers could kill us for, be, for gathering here. Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Wouldn't be, who'd be here? I don't know. Uh, I'm not so sure. I remember going to uh, Russia as a teenager. And it was right when kind of um, uh, the communism was kind of falling and I think it was in between Gorbachev and Yeltsin. For those of you who are young, just Google it. Old people know what I'm talking about. Um, and, we, and the irony is, Russia was kind of a wide open place. So I was from a Christian high school. We went and were doing Christian concerts in like public schools. It was amazing. Um, but then we went to this one church, and the out is this little village. And the outside looked like a plain, dilapidated like building. On the inside, it was the most amazing um, church full of wood ornamentation. You never would have known it. 
And they showed us around the church. They said when the soldiers would come, this is where we'd hide our kids. They told us stories of how they had grandparents and aunts and uncles who were shot right outside the building for their faith. And they said it was hard. They weren't wishing upon anybody. But I think, again, I don't wish it becomes illegal, but here's what I know. Sometimes we have a Christianity that's very, very convenient. We kind of want God and lots of other stuff, too. When you could be killed for your faith, you're going to be very specific about your faith, aren't you? How serious are you going to take it? This week, the theme for the kids is being entangled. And one of the things we'll talk about, so Valerie's will be like, spoiler alert, um, and the teens who are going, um, our lives are always going to be entangled with lots of things. The question is, what are you entangled with? Are there things that are entangling you, taking you down? Or entanglements that are making you stronger? Um, and the invitation is this. So what does it really mean that Jesus Christ is the center of our lives? And not just something we kind of want to add on. Because it's convenient. Those friends in Russia taught me, you don't just add on Christianity on the side. Your faith, you're deciding uh, every week what your faith meant to you. In fact, one of the things you notice that we do here at greeting time, if I'm here long enough, we might call it passing of the peace. That's a longer tradition in the church. And passing the peace was this. Some Christians, when they gathered, they weren't sure they would see them the next week. The persecution was that intense. So they would literally pass the peace to one another and say, it's great to see you. May you experience God's peace this week and you're coming and you're going. Um, now, we're typically not worried about that for this here in Mountain Home, but it's important we recognize, again, um, where's the serious meter of our faith? Hopefully, it don't need to be illegal for our faith to become that serious. Another way you live your lives, uh, it is not. Um, one of my favorite chapters that reminds me of this passage in John um, 16 is from Romans 8. A great chapter, a powerful chapter, talking about what the Spirit does for us. Do you ever have those times and moments in your life when there's a whole bunch of anxiety in and it feels overwhelming and stressful and you're still like, I don't know what to pray. One of the things we think about this Romans 8 is this notion that spirit takes our groans that words cannot express and offers them back to God. This morning, to be honest, I had some of those anxious groans. Right? We have camp this week. We have the great work here and I'm doing a wedding and other things in my life that I'll, I can share later. Um, but I was comforted by the fact that, you know what? The Spirit can take even those groans. I don't, again, know all the things going on in your individual lives. But I do know this. God has offered and promised the Holy Spirit would be with us. Now, the Holy Spirit being with us does not mean all our problems get solved right when we want them. But it does mean this. We are not alone. One of the verses we read says this. The Spirit will glorify the Son. It's great churchy language. What does the word glorify mean? Um, do you remember that story? Did we talked about this already, maybe the first Sunday. Did we talk about this already? I get old and I have all these conversations. Well, hopefully you forgot it. We'll start over. Remember that story in the Old Testament of Moses? Remember on the Mount Sinai? We mentioned this, didn't we? Remember? And, and, and God's presence shows up and literally his face shines. Jesus was going away. This was the last lecture. But Jesus was saying that spirit is going to come and keep revealing truth about me to you. So it wasn't as if simply once he was gone, that's it. Hope we got the tape recorder on what he said. But that spirit would keep teaching us the way of truth. 
One of my favorite verses in Scripture comes from John 14, 6. I think that's right. Yeah. Not 6, 14. Anyone know John 14, 6? You probably know the verse. The I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. When you hear the words of the Spirit leading into all truth, um, it's not just simply factoids of life. Um, it's not just telling you how gravity works. It's not telling you the quadratic equation. I'm not sure I always go to math, right? It, the, the truth of life is not simply about um, like things to get, do well on the test, but it is, I'm going to reveal you the one who is the way of life. By the way, in the Gospel of John, John has lots of I am statements. I'm the way, truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. What do those I am's connect you to? They remind you of anything else in the Bible? Oh, you're mumbling too loud. Uh, what do you remember? The I am. Remember in that Old Testament, the beginning of Moses' story was in the burning bush. And Moses tells him, okay, I don't really want to go back there. I killed somebody, and I'm out with Pharaoh. He doesn't really like me. And my, who am I going to tell them is sending me? And it's great. The Hebrew is really, really awkward. It just says, the I am who is the I am. It's really important then, when you read the Gospel of John and you hear those I am statements, it is the church testifying that Jesus was God. Now again, we'll say that in my kind of great Trinity lesson, how that all works is a challenge. But the Son, Jesus Christ, was fully God, just like the Father, Yahweh, was God in the Old Testament. When the Spirit leads us into truth, it is not just simply to get good facts right for our life. But that leading us into truth is to say, I want to lead you into a life that flourishes. But again, in the very context, remember he's saying this at the beginning of this chapter, this life that flourishes means, and there's going to be some hard things that are coming to you. In fact, they're going to be tested beyond what they could ask or imagine, ironically. And that's not fun, is it? And I think for us, we engage our Christian faith. We celebrate the fact that God is with us even and when we face the challenging times. We don't look forward to them. Here's the other awkward part about Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus says, you know what? It's going to be harder for you to grow when your life is easy and comfortable. Right? Uh, what do we hear in Romans 5 today? Perseverance for his character and character hope. The New Testament says time and time again, um, it is during the hard things of our life that God is most likely to teach us. Here's probably why. It's not that God can't teach us during the good times, but oftentimes, at least for me, when things are going well, I think, wow, I'm pretty good. Things are going okay. Praise be to Brent. That's awkward. Um, but those other times when I recognize, I look in the mirror and I am not feeling enough. I am feeling inadequate. It is too big. That relational strain, that situation is too much to handle. Um, God, we need you. Now, we need God all the time, don't we? But oftentimes in those hard times, God says we're more aware and hence more open to God's, God's presence in our lives to guide us. So I would say we don't seek the hard times, 
But when they come, just know you're not alone. But what can God teach us during those bad times is crucial. Christ also says this. The very first verse of our passage was, um, I'll read it again. What was it? It reminded me of a movie. Hopefully some of you haven't seen. If you're military people, you might have seen the movie. Um, what does it say? I have much more to say to you, but you can't handle it now. Of course, the famous, what do we know? Jack Nicholson, right? You can't handle the truth. Yeah, the Christians don't know what I'm talking about, but it's okay. Um, uh, sometimes you can tell people too much at one time, can't you? I mean, Jesus could have told them, hey, by the way, congratulations, you're all going to die for your faith. Um, that would have been helpful. But he, sometimes we don't get to hear it all at once. But that actually is a good thing. But God says to them this. There, there are things coming I'm going to leave. But the reality is the Holy Spirit will come. That Holy Spirit will keep teaching you about the way, the truth, and the life, which is following me. The Spirit will help you when life gets hard, when relationships break down. Um, the reality is church is not always easy. Um, it's likely the collection of you wonderful people, this is maybe the one reason you all gather together, maybe not for other reasons. And sometimes in the church, things don't go as we'd like. And so how do we have reconciliation in the church? How do we care for our neighbors? I think in our culture today, you know, Facebook both helps us and hurts us. Um, I think there are ways in which we just express our opinions without always a care for how those opinions land on with one another. But the key is this. The Holy Spirit will be that work within us that says no matter what joy and hope we have, no matter what pain or brokenness we have, God will be with us and God wants to move us forward in life. It's important we hear this. Um, God doesn't need the bad times for you to grow. But when the bad times occur, the hard times occur, are we available for God to be present in those situations, even when they're not handled or resolved quickly along the way? Um, the key is this for our lesson today. Um, as Jesus is leaving them, he wants them to know that God's Spirit will go before them. One of the things we celebrate about the Bible, um, um, the Scriptures, um, for the Church of the Nazarene, and hopefully those of you who are Nazarene or just in general, uh, we believe that God helped inspire these, these words here. Now, it's good to know these words um, weren't written in English. So there's inspiration all along the way. They were written in Hebrew and Greek. We just believe that God's been a part of that entire process. We call it divine inspiration of Scripture. But the other great thing we also believe is when we read this, these words, God's Spirit can break out among us. We believe in the inspiration that occurs we open our Scriptures that God can offer healing and transformation and hope for us today. In the same way Jesus was saying to them, look, I'm going to go, right? But that spirit will keep helping you to guide you and teach you in the ways um, that you need it. The other thing is this. In Jesus' coming, he was saying this, um, and he said it many times. By the way, when Jesus kept telling them he was going to die, why do you think they were so upset about that? Any thoughts? I love giving. What do you think? Uh, I'll do my bold what? It'll be louder and more obnoxious. <laughs> what, why were they upset about Jesus saying he was going to die? They didn't understand. This is going to be a party time, right? And if you're dead, who's going to be leading the party? One more thing. 
He'd be a king. They wanted to have fun, exactly. But there's one more important thing. They was their friend. He they loved them. No one to follow. Right. Well, it's a whole other sermon. Sometimes Jesus doesn't solve the problems he, we want him to solve. The Messiah everyone was looking for was someone to come in and wipe out the Romans. They thought Romans, the Romans were the enemy. But the enemy was not the Romans. The enemy was sin and death. And Jesus came in to resolve and heal that. There's one other thing too. So when Peter says, Peter rebukes Jesus after he tells him, you will not die. Peter also recognizes, guess what? If Jesus dies, maybe I might die as well. Sometimes in following this Christ, we have to be honest and say, things don't always go how we want. But he is still the way of life. He is still the one whom we trust, one whom we care. And the reality is this. They would have liked things, as you said, to have a better party. They wanted him to be king, and they'd be really important in that kingdom. But Jesus is saying those three years were great, but a new day is coming. Um, how many of you like the past more than you're looking forward to the future? Anybody like the past more? All of you are futurists. Like a couple of you are like, oh, I kind of liked that was, right? <laughs> what was happening is this. Things as they were were going to change. How many of you like change? Put it that way. You love change. Okay? That was different. Like five of you. This is exciting. Okay? That's what I meant. Okay? That's a better question to ask. Jesus would say to them, things are about to change. I'm going to go. I'm going to die and be raised. They did not understand that. But we're entering into a new era. A new era where with me being gone, you're all going to have to pick up the slack, the good news is this, there's a spirit coming that's going to help you. I think even in our church here, and I keep showing up when you lose a pastor, I don't know why. Um, God says again, um, there's a new era coming. Not disconnected from the past, but what God has for us in the past is wonderful and blessed, but a new thing is coming. This is the great thing about Isaiah, right? God is going to do a new thing, help it spring forward. That's why we don't just stop all the ministries until a new pastor comes. We keep the life of the ministry that God gives us and goes forward. The question of the text today is this. Like last week, where are there ways of life and truth you need God's Spirit's help? Where are there places and relationships or health issues or finance issues where you need another dose to say, God, this is more than I can handle. And if things are going well for you right now, bless you. How can you be a blessing to others who have some things in their life they need help with? That's the great thing, right? Sometimes your lives are kind of smoother, and that's the invitation for you to help those who have the rocky places. So when you have a rocky place, others can help you, and that's the beauty of the church. But in particular today, for those of you who think there's more rockiness going on, um, things have been changing, transitions happening, and those of you who don't like change, change is underfoot. God, how can you help us in the midst of this change? I'm going to invite Valerie to come on up. And the text is, is very clear. And music team, yes, I just Valerie. Um, God says to them, um, that advocate wants to come. He wants to be a help. So the question is this, what help do you need today? Where are there places of hope and brokenness that are needing God's grace and presence? Um, 
these are not things necessarily that are new to God or new to you, but you want to say again to God, God, this is bigger than me. I'm going to need your help to move for this, through this, for deeper levels of healing. Pray. Gracious God, indeed, you have called us to higher and deeper things. And Lord, for some of us, Lord, that means finding ways through paces of brokenness and pain. Lord, others of us, Lord, higher and deeper just means you're calling us to go in new places, to love more radically and love more deeply. And so, Lord, wherever that place is today, whether we need your grace in places of pain and brokenness, or we need your pain in places of courage and strength to launch into new areas, Lord, we ask that you would not let us just settle and be safe in what's comfortable. But Lord, let us live in this new thing you're doing. Let us live in the grace and healing for our own lives and how once we're healed and as we're being healed, you can send us out, Lord, to love those in our homes, to love those in our workplaces, to love those in the coming and going of life, that we can share your good news. So Lord, let us be people of courage as we're finding places of healing. Lord, thank you that your spirit is here among us. Um, may it reach close to us, Lord. Lord, may you give us places where there is despair, hope, where there is fear, courage. And Lord, may we lean deeply into your grace. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Receive the benediction. May the love and the power of the Holy Spirit go with you to be loved and love others. Go in strength and hope and power today. Amen.